0: You're now tuning into the Who and How Club with your host, Eris Dejan.
1: Hey, how's it going? How are you? Doing well. Let me uh, plug in here.
0: Yeah, sure. Take it. All right. How are you, sir? I'm good, sir. And yourself?
1: Doing good. Let it's... me get the camera rolling.
0: Yeah.
1: Sir, so is but... it audio only or video? Oh, no worries. No, no, no,
0: we're doing video. Yeah, sorry about that. I was having some technical difficulties. So that uh, was...
1: Nope. I know nothing about that. Have no idea what you're talking about when you say technical difficulties.
0: Listen, man, this—I'm uh, still getting used to the Zoom thing, but I'm still amazed at the fact that, like, we live in a world where we could do things like this. For sure. It, even it just—it's still amazing. It, it amazes me every time. So, let
1: me—do you know about splitting the audio in Zoom? By the way,
0: uh, when you say split the audio, audio, what do you mean? Like from video?
1: Well, like, no, actually splitting the, the separate inputs from audio. It's a really good trick if you're doing podcasts.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um, if you go into uh, where the microphone is, you have your audio settings. Okay. And if you click on that, um, let me just, let me find, I believe it's recording. We're yep. recording, so we, right? Yeah. So when you click on recording,
0: yes.
1: uh, the second checkbox down says record a separate audio file for each participant who speaks. So if you check that box, what you'll get is you'll get your Zoom file, you'll yes. get an audio-only file, and yes. then you'll get in the folder a file for you and a file for me. So if if like so, a lot of times I'll do podcasts where I have four or five guests, and somebody's yes. phone will ring, or oh, you know yeah. somebody sneezes, it right, but I can edit that out. So yes. even when I drop that into the video, I just you yeah, know, you, have, you have you
0: have enough to edit. You have a lot to uh, to use, and you can edit. Yep as opposed to it just being one file because i did my first zoom um a couple of episodes ago and even it like converting and i having the audio file and the video file i was amazed that it did that even right So now that you're teaching me that i could split the audio up that's really good to know
1: it's very cool stuff
0: so we're recording right it's recording yeah uh, it's recording yep oh, good. okay good so welcome to the who and club rick Thank you, thank you. And I appreciate your patience because we were supposed to have uh, an episode a few weeks back. But once this COVID thing hit, a lot of things just kind of got in the way, family-wise, sure. professional-wise, and work-wise, and stuff like that. So I'm glad that we're actually getting a chance to sit and talk. Um, but how are you today?
1: Doing good, doing good. I've got a huge uh, event coming up tonight that we're doing some preparation for. So doing, hosting something called a Stories Night for a new group called Breaking Average. So uh, I've got that coming up. I've got, I think, four virtual conferences in the next month that I'm arranging and or speaking at. So it's been busy times. It's good.
0: Well, here at the Who and How Club, uh, we focus on who you are and how you became who you are. So I want to just send a special shout out to our listeners and supporters uh, for tuning in. Um, they're gonna hear this. They're gonna get to know who you are today. And uh, just to preface, you and I don't really—we don't know each other at all. We're yeah. two, we're two strangers. We're just gonna have an honest conversation and get to know one another. And it's not the only conversation we'll have. This will be like part one of like you know the conversation continues. That's the goal with the Who and Out Club. We always check in on our people and people that we have on the show, and we just want to follow up and pick people's brains on how they think what their lives have been like, who they are as people, how they define themselves and sure. just take it from there. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah. So if you want to like, you know, just off the bat, the first question we usually ask is just like, who are you? Who is Rick? Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, uh, I, have simple, I have a simple one-liner when people ask me what I do for a living, and, mm. and the, the answer is I make dreams come true. Mm. I, uh, I've been a project manager for 25 plus years. I come from the entertainment industry as well, yes. um, and so there's not an idea, thought, product, Piece of architecture, anything like that 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 ever went up to to reach its full fruition without somebody who's called a project manager behind it. So, um, I take really, really, really complex ideas and break them down into daily activities to to complete. So that's what I do for a living. Uh, Who am I? Is a a product of not only my father but losing my father at a young age. So. Uh, he started his own company. He was one of the first software companies ever to automate an insurance claim on an IBM mainframe. Yeah. Started software company in 76.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, his dream was for me to be in software and project management. Of course, I was in entertainment at the time. I danced at, at Disney World. I worked on the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. I got to tour the world with with bands. and So I was going to be in entertainment. You know? yes. I don't know any of this business crap. Uh, and uh, I lost him at 19 uh, yeah. through to cancer. Got into a really destructive time in my life, did did a lot of just I just cut bait and ran. I literally was uh preparing to 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 go on tour with a very, very famous band. I can't say who, but um and I, I cut and, and, and cut bait and ran and lost all those connections. So um restarted my life at uh, at 20, uh, got into restaurants, restaurant management, fell into business. And since then, I work with companies like Michael Kors, uh, AutoZone, Bank United, uh, formerly Baker Hughes, um, some of the the top companies in the world and help them become more efficient, essentially. Yes.
0: Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I want to. Yeah, I looked you up. I I don't. I tend to not look anyone up because I want okay. a conversation just to just be organic. But after reading a little bit about you, I'm like, I want to be like this guy when I grow up, like with the <laughs> amount of, with the amount of things that you have dabbled in and even coming from the entertainment business, which I can relate to, and we'll get into that. It's just, uh, it was just, um, intriguing to just read like your, the start and like where you are now and the things that you have sure. dabbled in and been involved in. And, um, I feel like bios and descriptions never do it justice. You know what I mean? It's really about the person and how they define themselves and that journey that they took to, to be able to do the things that they're doing. Because some a lot of people, they define themselves by what they do. Um, but I think we're deeper than that. And um, sometimes bios and descriptions don't capture that. You're sure. just pretty much stating what you do, what you've done. But let's talk about the person, that human aspect, that experience that you had to Absolutely. Go over, you know and what got yeah. you there so um let's let's rewind a bit back cuz you mentioned losing your father um mm-hmm. if you don't mind like take me take me to that moment where like if you can remember like that first feeling you felt when Ooh, I, you realized you lost you were going to lose your father
1: i i can I, there, there's several things and and actually there's there's a story arc to that but um you know, at 17, I was on top of the world. i I just gotten recruited to, to Tennessee to to play ball, and, and I was playing volleyball at the time, playing semi-pro. Uh, that's what I was going to do for a living. Uh, so, you know, on top of that, i come home on the summers and work on the Mickey Mouse Club. So by that time, that's when Justin, Christina, and everybody's showing up. But uh, I worked on all seven seasons of the show. And uh, so really, I just kind of had this, I, I had a really cool life, dude. I mean, I was going to college, I'm playing ball in the summers, I'm earning money on this side and on that side, just, just a great time. Uh, but he was diagnosed with cancer on my uh, 18th birthday, on my 18th birthday. Um, and I remember he, um, he smoked a lot, smoked two packs a day. And, and he um, was out working on the yard one day and, and said he felt like he pulled a muscle And that went on for about six or eight months. He went to several doctors. Nobody even screened or checked for cancer or anything. Mm. Uh, By the time somebody kind of caught on and said, this could be something else, it had already metastasized into his back and and all that. Um, And so when we went in, he had his lung removed. When we went in, uh, they literally told us it's it's just a matter of months at this point, Mm. you know, Mm. and so I, I put everything on hold. I uh, came back home. I dropped out of college and just s- spent as much time as I could with him. Um, he was, he was not an easy father. He, you know, he certainly wasn't, you know, uh, from, from beaver cleavers or Brady punch or anything. I mean, he was a tough Italian guy. It was very hard on me, but he was the strongest, most powerful figure I had in my life. Mm. To take that away, like, what do you do? Mm.
0: Um,
1: and it caused, I remember being at the funeral and my mom uh, chose a song, if tomorrow never comes to, to play at the funeral. And I was furious at that. Cause I was like, dude, tomorrow's not coming for dad. What a horrible song. Yeah. It's um, like
0: rubbing, rubbing salt. Yeah. The room, right? In the
1: and I, I just got so angry and I just had this feeling yours that I just had to get out. Like I just had to go. And so I, I remember just moving to Nashville, Tennessee. I, I, I had a couple of contacts there, but I really had nothing but but restaurant experience and getting a job at Bennigan's and just trying to figure life out. But I just but I just separated from everyone, friends, family, everything, and just went and isolated. When I say there's a story arc, though, um, uh, a few years after that, he 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 died in '92. Uh, a few hour a uh, few years after that, I get invited uh, as one of my friends is is uh, doing a a guest role uh, on Broadway. So the guy who um, played Mark in Rent was, was yeah. taking a break and Joey Fatone filled in and yeah. Joey invited us all to to go see it. And in that, I remember uh, there was an affirmation in the play. It's a beautiful play if, if you've never seen it. I mean, it's 20 years old now, but it's still gorgeous I I to this day. It, no. and, it, and so it's, a, it's, a, it's about life and love and, and just acceptance. Yes. But there, there was an affirmation in, in there that says, there's only us, there's only this, forget regret or life is yours to miss. No right. other path, no other way, no day but today. And so what was interesting for me is I was coming from if tomorrow never comes to this new point, uh, new realization of no day but today. Like, how do you live just the best? So I remember going to Joey and I was like, Dude, I got to meet this guy who wrote this, Jonathan Larson. I, I got I to gotta meet the guy. I got to thank him for these words. Yes. And he, he says, you can't, bro. And I was like, Why? He goes, because Jonathan died, jeez, so when you start to reference the the play itself jonathan 's life work became this. It, it, he was written without the play it 's an amalgamation of all his friends and experiences, yes. and his dream was to see the play open on Broadway, and he died the night before it opened. He was alone in his apartment, his heart burst. he had something called uh, Marfan syndrome and he passed away and he never got to see the play open and get that review that he wanted so it's this international hit yeah but i just that became a calling to me so i even wrote a book called no day but today
0: i saw that yeah Uh,
1: yeah but but that's where that all came from so it was my own story arc of stop living in the past if tomorrow never comes and start living for the future in no day but today
0: so in in these moments right and these defining moments of our lives like How do you think, what is the best way to cope? Like was escaping, you know, you mentioned that you just felt like you needed to leave. Was that a way of coping for you or what, what did you do to cope? in that? that
1: You know what? I'd like to answer that better. It wasn't a way of coping. It was a way of giving up. Mm. It was a way of not having the internal strength to deal with loss, not not only loss, but just overwhelming feeling. Mm. And, and, um, I have a great mentor now, uh, uh, Dr. Rome talks to me about life is going to give you tests and they're pass or fail tests, period. And if you fail, then it's just going to serve it up again later so that you have another shot at solving it I and know, you'll keep getting the it, yeah. same lesson over and over until you until, pass. Right. Yeah. And so to me, that that was my first le- lesson in dealing with a situation that's overwhelming, that like you literally can't think about what the next step is because there's so many emotions um, I had another experience like that in 2014 when I almost went bankrupt and lost everything. Um, I I was overwhelming. The difference is, is and I remember clearly, I, I was looking in the mirror at my dad's funeral and just that's when I made the decision to run. And I'm looking at the mirror when I'm being, they literally were going to evict me on Thanksgiving day. Uh, and I can tell a little bit more of that story, but I remember looking in the mirror and seeing the same kid. Mm. at my dad's funeral and just saying this time I I can't run this time. I'm not going to run Mm. harder to make the steps to overcome that and, and rebuild again. So.
0: I can relate to some of that. I mean, like um, I don't know who my father is, you know, there's like there's no photo, no name, no nothing. It's just anonymous, you know? And growing up, I have, I've always felt like there was a piece of me just missing. It's like a piece of me unknown that I, I don't know where I come from from that side, but I know my mother and I know that side of the family. And, uh, you know, I've been through things in life where I've been this close to just giving up or not, or feeling like I don't want to be here anymore. Or, you know, that, that feeling of just leaving, escaping and not even telling anyone, just going somewhere, yeah. being a sec- like just, you know, but I, I, I like what you said about, um, you know, going through those challenges until you get it right. Like, you're going you're gonna to have to face that again if you didn't get it right the first time. And that's okay. Like, we're yeah. going to, I think we're going to overcome those challenges. It's just, it takes, it takes more time than we think. Sometimes we got to go through it and go through those tests and those challenges emotionally, mentally, and test the water, see what I, like, and then in the future when we revisit that challenge or that challenge presents itself again we have something to reference as an example to be like, okay, I did it wrong that time. I did this wrong. I did this right. Maybe let's do it way differently this time around and manage it better. Like managing emotions is one of the most difficult things to do as a human being. Sure. Like managing your own, let alone someone else's. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I can tell you that I had a very huge ego problem and a very Mm. huge anger problem. Mm. That I had to come over, even even as a as a young father, I, mm. my daughter's nineteen now. We actually just had a conversation last night about what it was like in her early years and my anger versus what it's like today. And mm. that that's a constant piece of work. But I did have an anger issue. I w- I'm Italian, man. I get mad, and I could, and and I had a lot of I had a lot of education, so I could just use words to just. I never had to fight. I could just <laughs> cut you down with, with a slight of, that's, of words. That's good. And, I, and to protect my ego, I used to be brutal about it until mm. so I had to come to terms with my ego, which that was the 2012 through 2014. So even then, right, the one thing, here's the one thing I know, and I work with John Maxwell now, and I have several podcasts. One of my podcasts, I get to, to do transformational leaders. I interview transformational leaders. Yes. There's not a single one of those leaders that came on that didn't tell me a similar story of overcoming Mm-hmm. So it's because most people think you have this great idea and you become successful. That great idea is the combination of 500 brutally wrong ideas until that one that sticks. And then everybody's like, Oh, wow. You know, uh, even John Maxwell says it took him 25 years to become an overnight ex- success. And mm-hmm. I, I love that quote. Mm-hmm. I love that quote. So people may just be finding me now, but this is 25 years of pain and suffering and overcoming and learning and growing and changing and, understanding who I am, understanding what I don't like and fixing all that stuff at the same time.
0: And that's, that's why I created this platform because I wanted to shed a light on that process in between. Like people will see you as a successful person and you know, they'll think it just happened overnight or they see where you are right now, but they have no idea about what occurred prior to or what led up to it. Such so much turmoil, even like such turmoil, can just spark an idea and that idea turns you into like this you know this thing but it's when you in retrospect when you look at life that way it's like what is this is this how life is supposed to be like everyone has a story it's a story it's like a book like you would love you would enjoy everybody's life if you just oh for sure you know, in it's fascinating.
1: And-, and it's fascinating to me. One of my uh, favorite things I ever heard, I think it was John that actually said it to me. And it's something I've used since and you can take it since. But, you know, as you grow this podcast, right, it's a labor of love. It's not easy. There's times you're like, wow, what am I even doing this for? And then, and then you get that one comment from a listener that just said, wow, what you just said, made it, it right. And it gives you that drive and that personal thing. But then people are going to come to you as you continue to grow. And, and as you continue to be successful, they're going to go, man, I want to do what you do." Mm. But but the response is, are you willing to have done what I've done what to did. get yeah. here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right?
1: It, I wanted so people ask me, like, how are you involved in entertainment and all this other stuff? How do you do all the different things? I was like, man, you have no idea what it's taken to get here. This is years and years and There's years. There's no answer.
0: There's no one answer. You're You're right. Like, You're sit with me for like a week and maybe we could There it is. Sometimes you don't even know. You're like, hey, I, exactly. I don't know how yeah. I'm doing this. I just.
1: I don't know why people like that, but yeah. And, and it, some of it's trial and error, but the, the point is, is to never stop trying to adapt what's happening. Mm. And, and I'll give you a, an analogy for that. I keep hitting this book. I, I have this book right here on, on my desk. It's, yes. it's right beside me, but it's Think and Grow Rich. Yes. Now here's the thing I've that, that I like to challenge people. This is the de facto guide of how to become a millionaire, period. Mm. 80 million copies of this book has been sold. Mm. Okay. But I don't know, 80 million millionaires. Mm. So wh- why why Isn't is it, it a working? de facto guy? Right. Well, here's why, right? People bought the book. They never read it. People mm-hmm. started to read it. They never finished it. Or they read it. They never it
0: implemented it. They never, never
1: applied it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people come up to me all the time. Will you mentor me? Will, you know, can, can I work with you? And my answer is always yes. And, and I do a lot of stuff. Um, I don't say it's free. I say it's an investment because if I can make somebody successful there, there could be something down the road, right? It's all about sowing seeds. But before I do that, I I make them read a chat. I'm going to go ahead and give you the answers to the test here. I say, I want you to read the perseverance chapter in this book for 14 straight days. If you miss a single day, then go back to the start and start over, but I will read it. So they go and and do that and ask one question when it's done. I'll ask, what is your mantra? And if they just look at me, then they're not somebody I'm going to mentor because they're not somebody who's going to apply any of the yeah. time that I'm putting into them. And the reason why I say that is in the chapter of Perseverance, not only is it a phenomenal chapter, but it says, if you haven't read this chapter, do so immediately before you continue. Yeah. If they go to that chapter, there's five steps in which you create your, your mantra. So that tells me, did you read it or did you read it and apply it? And based on that, if you can tell me your mantra, I'll mentor you. If you can't, you're just not ready yet. Mm. And when you figure out why, you can call me back. Sure. Does that make sense?
0: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Do you feel like the book is is I've heard of the book, but I've never read it myself. Now, how would you define how would you define being rich? Because rich can mean, of course, money financially, right?
1: Go ahead. It, absolutely, it, it's about wealth, and it's yeah. about the what, what the book is about is thinking and growing. So what they what Napoleon Hill he was actually commissioned to go study like the fifty most successful people, and he made it his life's work. Yes, yes. And these were the principles that came out. So it's about the creation of energy. Rich is defined by the person, but yes. I will say that I think a lot of people are limited by their own beliefs of money being the root of all evil, money yeah. isn't this, but money, of course, So one of the greatest experiences of my entire life was called transformation. Um, and it's John Maxwell is working on the transformation of countries. And we get the opportunity to go to Costa Rica and Guatemala and Paraguay and train people through round tables. So six to eight people at a time on values like listening empathy it's absolutely 100% what our nation needs right now yes it's not
0: love (laughs) learning how to understand each other
1: but but the the core of it is transformation begins with me self, yeah and and it's so so I can't force you to transformers but but you and I could talk and what we could do is commit to each other on listening we can make one small action that we're going to commit to each other that we're going to do next week. And then next Mm. week, follow up to see if we did it and what the results were. Mm. So I'm doing that in a country. uh, And and we trained, um, I think it was 21,000 people in three days on how to do this and for them to be trained by us, they had to have already signed up six to eight people. So the the multiplying effect of that's and we're already seeing huge results in Guatemala and Paraguay, right? Costa Rica is relatively new. My point to all that is, is I took a week off. I paid my way to go be a part of this. I, I paid the expenses of flying to Costa Rica in the hotel to to do this opportunity, but money afforded me the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. Money gave me the opportunity that I could start to really invest in the human race and into culture and to understanding. I, I get to do amazing things uh, and spend time with amazing people, but I have to have a a sense of a sense of security right? That my bills are going to be paid and I'm generating enough revenue. So money is the root of all evil if you're seeking it solely for the need of money. But money allows you to invest into nonprofits, to bring people together, to go places that you, that you want to go to live the life that you want to live. So that's rich to answer your long, long answer. That's rich. Rich says I have a completeness of self because I can really value others and give to others without concern i'll give you something else that that i've learned from my father and, and stop me if i get winded and no just no you're me out. good but i'm, a, I'm I a talker everything
0: i'm saying i'm glad that this is your so
1: my, my father taught me something um about just generosity when, when we went out to restaurants he would have me pick out a table that we felt like you know maybe it was a young couple with a young baby or just pick out any table and yeah. we'd pick up the tab and yeah. the the thing was is we weren't to tell anybody. So I've taken that to, to honor my father, but let's, let's talk about that for a second. So money wise, it, it's not about being a big man on campus. It truly is like, I don't want people to know. Yeah. And so I tell the server do not uh, under any, sir, I don't care how much they beg you. They can't yeah. know it's me. Cause That's it's right. not about ego. Yes. So I, I've done that for years now and I've done it on a grand scale. And let's say probably between 20 and $30,000 a year, I invest in, in doing that. And that sounds like a lot of money, but, there's been about four or five instances over all the times that I've done that where people have found out and what I've gotten back from me because of it has uh, it, been, so I, I got a six figure contract at yeah. Microsoft, right? So so basically you paid for five years of the generosity with one deal that, yeah. that I got. Um, I picked up a table of this these, these family from Bermuda uh, and they were sitting with a friend of mine. Uh, they found out about it. My family went to Bermuda uh, without me and they basically, they rolled out the red carpet. They had people picking them up at the airport, put them in a beautiful hotel. were shutting down restaurants for them, giving them personal. Tr- I mean, all of that would have cost probably 15, $20,000. I picked up like a hundred dollar tap.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. But it was the fact of when you gift to somebody with pure heart and without intent, and, and with that, then the reciprocity that comes back to you. The
0: universe just, it takes care of itself. Absolutely. I'm just absolutely. it hilarious because someone, uh, a colleague of mine, we were speaking last night and he had a similar a message to me, just saying that, you know, when you do, when you do give, you know, never expect anything back because it's going to be given back regardless, but don't give to expect back because sometimes we'll, even within the workforce, you know, or the work field will, will want that recognition. Like you're doing such a great job, but you want someone to say that to like confirm and like, yeah, you know, push you and give you that energy. Like, yeah, I am doing a great job. And it becomes like this thing, like, let me do a good job just so I could hear it or get that recognition, but just do a great job. Just give, give pieces of yourself to this, this thing, this, the air, the universe, and it'll come back to you. No one needs to recognize it. No one needs to, know what you did, you know, picking up someone's tab. You're just doing, you're just giving. And the results of that will definitely be rewarding. So I I believe that it's just funny that you're bringing this up because it connects to the conversation last night.
1: There's actually research behind it as well. Uh, Dr. Robert uh, Cialdini wrote a book called uh, Influence, uh, the Science and Practice of Persuasion. And Mm -hmm. so let's just take, let's take that word gift. Gift is truly giving somebody for something. But if I'm giving with the expectation of a return, that's a bribe. Mm. That's a bribe. Mm. And so they did a survey. In they, any form,
0: nothing just, exactly. not just yeah. physical, yeah. but yeah.
1: yeah. So, so think about it this way, and it's interesting, think about the internet and what we're barraged with. And yeah. so they did, they did a study, and they were trying to get people to respond to a survey. And we, we, we all get these surveys. And, and normally it's, if you fill out this survey, we will give you a $50 gift card. That's a bribe, mm-hmm. right? So to test this theory, what they did is they took the survey divided in two groups. So you get a $50 gift card if you fill out the survey. To to group B, they sent out $5 checks in advance and says, you can cash this free and clear. If you have time to fill out the survey, we'd appreciate it, but but no worries. They got triple the response on the $5 check than they did the $50 gift card at an expense lower. Interesting thing in the study, though, is that the people who didn't uh, the, the people who didn't fill out survey also didn't cash the check.
0: The five dollars.
1: So, right, right. There were a few sprinklings, but it's like less <laughs> than one percent where somebody's yes. like, "Oh, free five bucks." Yeah. But but by giving it to them without the expectation, yes, yes. they got a better response. Hmm. People felt more inclined to respond and to reciprocate. than so it's not really a monetary value that reciprocation builds up.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you. I like this. This is good. This is good. I I hope the listeners, I'm sure the listeners will learn something from this conversation and everything that you're sharing. And uh, these are the types of conversations I like to have uh, because you're learning and this is life learning. You know, these are things that we need to be more aware of. Um, And it's easy to get caught up, you know, especially within the work field at times, you know, we all want to be and feel appreciated when we do things, you know, whether you're in a relationship ship, you know, within the work field, you sure. Wanna, you want to hear it. You want to feel like, yo, your worth. Like they they recognize your worth and your work ethic, but you're not always gonna get that. But that's okay. Right? We have to be okay with that and be confident enough to keep pushing and keep going. Because if you're just a person that likes to give and do, just be that, and things will come your way eventually. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You don't have to. You, you have. I like how you mentioned that bribe aspect of it. If we switch our brains and look at it that way, we'll, maybe we'll adjust and realize, you know what? We're not doing to get something in return. That's not the way to be.
1: Just Yeah, you question your intention, right? Exact, exactly as you're saying. So your uh, we want to give yeah. out this gift. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Well, we yeah. want people to sign up to the website. Okay, well, yeah. we're going to give it to them, but let's not worry about the website piece. They'll come find us, yes. right? You know, that kind of stuff. You have to ask why you're doing the gift.
0: Why you're doing That's it. the Yeah. You mentioned ego. I want to talk about ego because ego has been oh, yeah. in conversation with me last sure. week or so. Um, you also mentioned like speaking with your daughter about how your past behaviors were and how it might have affected her and stuff. What was it like to to put your ego aside and have that conversation with her? Because that's something that might, you know. Yeah.
1: No, I think it's, it, as a, it's father, a difficult especially, prospect. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's a difficult thing. Um but first of all, I think there's a lot of power in humility. Yep. So by saying, I understand that I, you know, it, it, we've had, a, we've had great, like I had a joke at one time with her. She came in and she was yelling at me about something and I started looking behind me and she goes, what are you looking for? And I said, <laughs> the, man, the manual that came with you when you were born. I like, And I, and I just in a, in a feat of humility, I was like, look, I don't know either. I've been figuring this out since the day you were mm. born, mm. but that was a realization. I think she was like 16 and she was like, wait a minute, you don't know? everything and i was like no like and unfortunately i mean you say it's different with, for your little brother than it is for you and it's true because i'm using the experiences that worked and didn't work with you to apply to him so i think you're better parents for child number 2 and child number 3 child number 4 probably just gets the kick right they just whatever it's it's routine at that point but child number 1 potentially i think has the 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 potential being the most damaged child because it's experimentation and you want like the the moment you find out that 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 you as a couple are pregnant you're like oh my god like you already start to fantasize like i'm fishing the sun's setting the daughter's throwing her arm around me yeah none of that stuff is real right (laughs) that stuff is only in movies um So it was very, very difficult. I think one of my biggest lessons around ego came um, early on. I've, I've learned two really big lessons. Uh, one was uh, I was I was managing a team. And when I came in, there was certainly a honeymoon period. Like we were killing it. The team was doing well. And then I started to feel that the team was slipping away from me, meaning like conversations would stop and I would enter in the room. People weren't being as communicative to me. And I didn't know why. I didn't know what was going on. And so I... I don't, I don't know what inspired this, to be honest with you. I just did it. But I remember there was one girl who was kind of like the ringleader and, mm. and I knew that she didn't like me. And so I said, look, I'm, I'm going on vacation for 10 days. So you're in charge, but here's what I want. I want you to meet with the team, write down everything you don't like about me. And then you've got two options. You can present it to me with my boss present, or you can just give it directly to my boss. But either way, that's going to be my personal development plan for next year. And I remember leaving. I remember coming in uh, after the ten days. I know the meetings coming. I was like listening to Tupac on the way in. I was I was throwing hit him up in man, like I was ready for a fight. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, I was like, man, you're getting that energy going. Oh, dude, I, I was bumping all the way in. I was like, let's. Been
0: there. i've been there i've been there
1: you 50, cent. 50 yeah. cent is my <laughs> yeah, yeah. tupac for me they're not man, messing so.
0: with me today man. Yeah. yeah
1: tupac is 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 it when i when i need to get hyped up and yeah. get the italian going you, I but you. i go into this meeting and dude every single thing they brought up while well, it was something i needed to change it was something i literally could change that day it was mm. it was a series of behaviors that i wasn't even aware mm that I was bothering somebody. And that really taught me a huge, huge lesson. What happens in a relationship is like once you, when you and I meet, it's honeymoon, it's cool. Everything's awesome. We're bros. And then I'm going to inevitably do something that kind of makes you go, hmm, eh, don't know about that. Right. Yeah, I don't like but that. then, but then you start to assume why I did it. And then I start to assume why you're changing. And then the next thing you know, we're fighting about assumptions that are so deeply rooted. We can't fix it. What, what and, then this that, topic, and then that
0: becomes the focus, even though we might focus. get along, we might get along in the other categories or around that one situation, but because we don't even address that situation or inquire with each other, you know, pick each other's brains, try to understand this one thing that has happened now, it, it, it'll divide us and divide that energy that we have. But we assume things could be, we, we can't be perfect. No, Our, The relationships you have with people just can't be perfect.
1: And the intent is, is at some point I come into a relationship with the understanding that I am, am going to rub you the wrong way for a reason. (laughs) Don't know what it is, but, but I refuse to be the guy going, but that's just who I am. So you got to deal with it. Mm. That's, that's the root of ego right there.
0: Mm.
1: When people go, look, I've been successful thus far. If this guy doesn't like me, well then that's his problem. No, it's not. Mm. It's our problem and it's our issue to resolve. So Going back to that meeting, one of the things that one of the key girls that that, that didn't like me, she she said that um, her statement to me was, um, I don't respect her, her knowledge. And I said, wow, that, that one kind of hurt me. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, well, we were in a big meeting and there was a bunch of side conversations coming on. Something really important was said over to the right of me. And I looked at her and I just made this motion. I was like, Did you? now to her. That motion said, you're so stupid. I don't believe you realize that was important. To me, I was like, there was a lot of confusion going on. I wanted to make sure that she did hear that. If not, I could follow up with her and tell her. So two totally just small little intents that grew into this big divide. It turned out everything on the list was something I could solve that day and something that I I literally did solve that day. I never did that to her again in the meeting. And I also always thought with intent before I asked her a question to assume that she already knew the answer and I, which was the truth. I was just trying to follow up. Um, so that was one big, big lesson for me. So then I started to apply that at home and started to ask my you know, daughter, Hey, when you say those things, what, what do you remember of that time? Or where do you think I was coming from in that time? And it's really just to seek understanding, not to defend my actions.
0: Yes.
1: Um, it's, it's to understand how I made her feel that way. So it's something that I can change going forward. And, yes. and I'm not, I'm not seeking the, Oh dad, no, you're better now. Mm. No, 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 no. We're not going to surface level this. Like I need to understand what triggered you in your brain to go into that emotion so that I can be aware that if I choose to do that, I'm creating that trigger. Yes. Right. But it's an awareness thing. And, and the other thing I've learned though, is once I solve that there's four new problems behind it, you're never done. Never done. No,
0: it's growth. It comes with growth. Like if we're going to focus on, you know, the concept it's growth. And some people don't want to grow. They're comfortable with, you know, being, you know, like F the world. They're not caring about other people around them. And I've, I, I know what that, that feels like because I think I've been like that once before. And sure. thankfully, I got a chance to experience that so that I now know that that's not who I really am or want to be. But sometimes you got to try little things, you know? Your, your, your personality changes based on your environment, where you are in life. There are certain periods of time you might've been like the most honest person. But Mm -hmm. now you're in a situation that might be forcing you to lie. I'm just, you know, using this as an example. No, that's true, though. How will you know what not to be like if you are not, if you don't get the chance to be something that you're not? Or like you don't want, that isn't really you. Like we all, I'm not saying like you need to go rob a store one day to know what it feels like to be a thief. But I'm sure we've all. Been some form of thief at some point, or like have really made someone feel really bad, even though that wasn't your intent. Sure. Doing that. So, how do you know? You got to experience those things. It's trial and error, like you mentioned earlier, right? But true growth is acknowledging those things, being self aware enough to change and adjust, especially like you being a father. Like, you're a father, you brought someone into this world you want to make sure that there's an understand, a level of understanding between you and that individual, that child that you're helping raise because they're going to come up in the world and they're going to have to treat people a certain way at some point as well. So they're going to use you as a reference and their experience with you and their family ships and everything. It's all this cycle. Yeah. <laughs> and we got to feed into it in the most healthiest way. Sure. I truly believe that. But, you know, I'm sure we've all... We've all done things that we, we look back on and we're like, oh, I wish I didn't do that, but I'm glad I, w- I don't regret it happening that way because it makes me who I am today. Sure. You know the better sure. version or the more healthier the growth, the growth stage that we're in in life. Like, what speaking of ego, like going back to that, what what are some things that you feel that the ego is is really required for? <sighs> we can't get rid of the ego 100 no, the you, ego uh, is still there we just have to master the ego it, so it's, not even that. It's,
1: yeah. it, it's not even that it's yeah it's not even that it's it it's understanding why the ego is getting kicked in so for instance um uh, so when i went through the near bankruptcy uh i just landed i'm i'm uh, i own a consulting firm i have like 15 people working for us and i'm going up against like the price waterhouse coopers and you know all the big dogs and i'm winning And after a while, and I I got on such a win streak that my ego literally, like I literally thought I could just think my way out of any situation. So I, I sign up with Baker Hughes and it's, you know, multi, they're a fortune five company at the time, right? Oil and gas out of Houston. And they want me to make them a world-class project management organization. I was like, I can do that. And they really had no interest in, in changing anything. What they wanted to do was hire some hotshot consultant to come in and tell them they were awesome and off they go. So every step of the way it was resistance. Well, my ego said I can fix it. Where my where if I challenge why I said that, I wanted to be the guy who solved Baker Hughes. That was a bigger problem than me.
0: Yeah.
1: Instead of going, they're not ready for me, which is what I do now. A lot of I've walked away from a lot of clients that I I could see similar patterns that they really weren't interested in implementing or changing. So my but my ego back in the day was about the win. And about the you know hanging the mantle of that logo on my wall, right? I got Baker Hughes, I'm a badass, check me out. Um, and, and that led to to my demise. But I think what happens, even like um, I'll give you another example. I'm working with a group and I'll I'll keep the, the names out of it. Yeah. but I came up with a, a concept that I'm using, and they were like, Oh, that's a really good concept, that's awesome. I was like, yeah. great, you know, you can use it. And then I see these flyers come out that's advertising it. They've got a ton of people. They didn't invite me to speak and I don't get credit for the idea. And so I had, this, this is like two days ago. That would drive had me
0: crazy. A,
1: I had a flare <laughs> of ego. And but as you
0: should, like that's a moment where the ego has to cut. Like, how do you not can, react but, to that?
1: But, but, but then I started saying why. Well, I, I did tell them they could use the idea. Maybe they don't see the value in me as a speaker. And I know... Like, why does everybody need to know that was my idea? I know that's my idea. And what it comes down to is one key thought. And it's, it's called abundance. Mm. If you have abundance thinking, then I'm, I, I will give away all of my ideas freely.
0: Mm.
1: Some of the things I'm saying on this podcast, I could write into a book. I could sit there and go, well, I'm only paid you know, $10,000 as, as a speaker to say some of the things I'm saying. But I don't believe in that because I believe by the time the so listeners hear and apply that I have such abundant thinking, this isn't an ego thing, but I have such abundant thinking, I'll have something new.
0: Yes. Now,
1: if I have a belief that that's going to be the greatest thought that I've ever had, then hell yeah, I'm going to hold on to that. So it's, a, it's really a question of my fencing out or fencing in, mm. right? It, it's, it's If we really have no ego and we really believe in abundance, then there's no idea that's, that I should hold on to. Mm. And I think if I have enough ideas that are going out there, eventually, again, I'm sowing seeds. Some of those I'll reap. Some of those will fall on concrete. So what? But the ones that I can reap are the ones that are going to pay triple and quadruple the dividends of all those other ones.
0: And they might not. those ideas might not even be for you. You might be in a room sharing something, and it'll benefit someone else. So why be selfish with, let's say, our ideas? Like a lot of people will say, even with pod, with podcasting and stuff like that like don't 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 go to one of those networks don't pitch your show stay independent this and that and because there's this fear of like you know the conglomerate taking over and it it's, it not being your own anymore but it's sure. like I, I what if me going onto a network will benefit the show bring it to a different height and i'm comfortable with that and then i could come up with another idea and do something over here like why there's no limit to what right. we're able to do. So that abundance and thinking is, is key to life, I truly feel.
1: And see, I joined a network, but I found a network that allows me to be who I am and yes. I have 100% control of the show.
0: Made it work for you. you made 100% it work for you.
1: control yeah. of the advertisers. I mean, yeah. you know, is what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and I have a, in fact, my, uh, we, we just did a great show. Um, Last week, you know, platform-wise of what's going on in our in our country, I assembled a panel of. Uh, I have one of my best friends is a top five uh, de escalation trainer for the police, former police officer, former undercover in Detroit. Yeah. My executive producer is just a brilliant, brilliant guy. Uh, he and I have had many conversations on race, um, and then I brought in an entertainer, yeah. and we just had an open discussion – like. I wanted to start a discussion, not about what's happening, but how do we solve, but how do I even begin, you know, you being a black man, me being a white man, how can I, how can I as a white person even begin to have a conversation with you? Because everything I read and heard and listened was started home. Great. Starting at home. But I want to be able to reach out to someone like you who we've never met. And not do any of what I call the white splaining things of like, well, you don't understand. I have black friends. I, I went to a, a school where I was the minority. And that's all true. But well, I, I didn't need to run my resume to get on your show. So I shouldn't have to run my experience with black people to have a human to human conversation with you. So how do we start that? And what's a proper way? And, and hear it from people of color telling yeah. me and teaching me. That was what that show was about. It was phenomenal.
0: Yes. I'd love to hear, uh, was that on the podcast? It was on Work-Life Balance, yeah. Okay. okay. It's called uh, it.
1: Honest Conversation uh, on Race.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm going to look that episode up because now I'm intrigued. But uh, Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I think open dialogue is important just as people, as human beings, you know? Like, I don't even like to use the term race anymore because it's I not, truly yeah. feel like we're, we're all one race. But I can also put myself in the shoes of people that are going through certain things that feel like there's a separation because of how they're treated. And that needs to be acknowledged as well. And I think, I don't know, man, I I don't know why we still can't figure this thing out and why we can't treat each other as, you know, love, love for each other, you know.
1: I think I think roundtables are a huge answer to that. Yeah. I think it's it's a gathering of six to eight people with different backgrounds, yeah. all focusing on how they can change themselves. Right? None of this will because instantly when we start going well, it, when people start running statistics which is how people fight this battle. Yes. Right? Because people go, well, there have been more, more Blacks killed by police and they go, well, that's not true. 6% are Black male and 50, they count for 52%. Okay, all of a sudden now I'm fighting the, the feeling of you putting me into a category either way when none of us fit any of those categories. We're all our own category. Well, that's, so until-
0: that's, that's the problem with humans from the beginning of exactly. exactly. We We've categorized everything. We've labeled, we've put a name like for an example, like animals. <laughs> yeah. I'll use that as an example. That's horrible, I, yeah. An animal doesn't know that it's called that. Let's say, right. that. I'm looking at my puppy now. He doesn't yeah. care. He, yeah. I called him that just so I can yeah. understand. And I still don't understand him. So we've given names and categorized people into these, these boxes and we do it to ourselves. And that's not to take away from any anything or anyone going through what they're going through, especially in this time of turmoil. You know, we're seeing it, more so now than ever because of social media and everything so the world is being exposed to things and it's hard to figure out what's genuine what's what's not who's genuine with the with the support and the promoting you know but dialogue communication yeah taking the time to try to understand one another that that's the start of things changing
1: yeah i think one of the dumbest things people say is i don't see color I, that's the dumb, I see color, I just don't care, right? It's, it's, it, it, but, but the point is, that's their, their way of saying, well, I don't judge people based on their skin color. No, you see color, the, 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 the difference is to respect it. I'll give you a great example.
0: And if that's the case, a person should say that. Like, if, 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 when, when a person says, I don't see color, and your meaning behind that is that I don't judge people based on the skin tone,
1: then Then say say that that. say that don't say you don't see color (laughs) the color the color
0: scheme and how we define (laughs) ourselves black and white don't even match up anyway these are black yeah yeah. my skin i'm you every you know it doesn't none of it makes sense so let's not judge each other at all in fact yeah but yeah go ahead sorry
1: well so so trying to lump, I guess, this whole, because we've gone down a bunch of several different things, but let's lump this whole conversation back together again to, I think the greatest thing I taught my daughter was the, her ability to make her own decision her ability to think. I'd never tell her what to think. She leans a lot more left. I, I'm honest. I lean more right from a business perspective, more left on a social perspective, right? So from a tax perspective, being a business owner, there's real impacts to what people say yeah. to my bottom line and, yeah. and the ability. So, so there's certain laws and things that I want to see passed that way, uh, but I'm more socially left and, um, and she's very left at the moment, and, but she's in college. And I, I think you, you go through that whole scheme before you decide who you are. But we're discussing certain things. And one of the, the key things, a little controversial thing that we discussed was um, there, there was a reality TV star, uh, uh, Corey and Taylor, the, the teen mom or whatever. Um, yes. And she has been watching all of those reality shows for years. And she's a big fan of Corey. Taylor is a, a white girl who had some racist tweets in 2001. And... They were, ha- But now they're together, and they're having an interracial baby, and the, the special was about the so baby. So Corey's black? Corey's black, Taylor's okay. white. Okay. And they were having a baby, and the special was about the birth of their baby. But then you have what's called the cancel culture that came out and got the down and Taylor fired because of something she said nine years ago or 15 years ago. But the difference is, is that they address that on the show because Corey's original girlfriend was black and she's the one on reality television that confronted Taylor the first time about the tweets and she had grown. And obviously she doesn't think that way anymore. So I want to unpack that and start going, okay, I get the cancel culture. I get the fact that if you put stuff out there, you're responsible for what you put out there on social media. Amen. Own that. But what we just said is in the last 10 years, if you've changed, and you've you've grown empathy and you've realized you were ignorant and you realize right the, uh, we, i know i was stupid when i was a kid <laughs> right And God, thank God Twitter wasn't around when I was 15, for crying out loud. But the point is, is people change. And by canceling her out, I feel like that sends a dangerous precedence, too, to say. We're not allowed to change. We're not allowed to change. Especially on
0: social media or anything involved. Social media has has been able to dictate people's lives and careers. And from things that people have done so long ago, like it's like we're not allowed to change anymore.
1: We're not allowed to grow. Yeah. But I think the message that sends is for the people who really we really do need to cancel out and people we really do need to focus on, their answer now, we're giving them an excuse of why should I do it because even if I do –
0: You get chastised. That was my point. So
1: so please, anybody who's listening, don't start firing comments to me about (laughs) cancel culture and all that other stuff. Let me finish that whole arc and point to say, I think it's important that we set an example of empathy for those who have changed and who have overcome and use them as our markers so that the people who need to change realize that they can.
0: But let's, let's, let's look at the things that are being used to show empathy or lack thereof. Social media, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. Are these even tools to, to react? Like These platforms are used for people to share their opinions. A person could be lying about their lack of empathy towards someone and saying, we should cancel that person just to follow the herd. But in their heart, they actually feel the opposite. So sure. it, it just sucks that we're in a time where these platforms... Have the power to dictate someone's life and you know their experiences, their careers, etc. When these are people behind a screen,
1: oh, cyberbully! It's,
0: it's wild.
1: There's two quotes, I think, that really apply to social media. One came from Ricky Gervais, which says, uh, Twitter's like reading every bathroom wall in the world on the planet. <laughs> so basically all the ignorant stuff in a bathroom. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's true. It's it's reading the, every, every bathroom wall in the world yeah. at once. Yeah. Uh, but the second one actually comes from Edison. Edison says 5% of the people in the world think. 10% of the people in the world think they think. And the other 85 percent would rather die than think yeah. and what's interesting is is when i watch like i get so frustrated during the the political cycles because i want to know the issue and decide for myself but if i read cnn it's going to tell me their version that they've distilled yeah. fox is going to tell yeah. me their version yeah. but no and so then i have to decide between the two where the truth is and i still don't know the truth we've become so polarized in everything social media news everything That also says, um, you know, to me, I understand a lot of the protests on the left, but when they, when they block people from the right to have a conversation, then I don't see how they're any better. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather you have a protest and then challenge the person on the right and, and have an honest conversation and debate it to where the truth can be found in the middle. But basically, what I hear is I hear these really good arguments. Yes. And I'll give you an example. So the 6.5% black men and 52% crime rate, that's a really good argument. That, that, that's not the, the truth of the whole situation. But if right. I look at just that one statistic, right. that's a really good argument. Right. So then the right then has to start to develop a, a, a fight to that. And so the mantra I'm hearing, and again, this is just kind of, I, I look for those. So, but they came out and they go, well, if black lives matter, why are there so many abortions? And I'm like, oh, that's horrible to say. But that is what they're responding to, to the vitriol here. So now the left has to get uglier and nastier and find a thing to debate this ugly, nasty thing. And we just keep, and none of that brings us closer. All of that is about focus on being right.
0: Yeah.
1: On, your,
0: own, on your side. On especially. my terms.
1: Yeah, yeah. Versus, again, I think the answer is to get six to eight people. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wish I could think of the guy's name, but you guys can find it. A uh, uh, black guy uh, owns a, a barber shop who impersonated a KKK member on the internet. Beautiful, beautiful Ted talk. It's like 10 minutes, but to to summarize it, he said, you know what? He realized the echo chambers. So what he wanted to do was expose himself to different echo chambers. So he created a fake profile, made himself a white racist and got into those echo chambers and started to see, and he goes, the number one thing he learned for that was empathy for the racists. And that led to what he started calling barbershop conversations where he ends up getting six or seven people, all of different views with two rules. You cannot yell and you cannot use any mantra that comes from mainstream and in terms of supporting your point. Yes. And we're just going to talk. And the growth that's come out of that, unfortunately, that those people then go back into their echo chambers and they get fired up again and they lose that, that momentum. We've got to find a way to, keep to, 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 to start the, the, that kernel, that seed of understanding and grow it yes but but we've but the only way to do that is for me to make the decision that i'm going to do that for myself
0: definitely and it's it's hard to get people to come together when like we have all these numbers being thrown out that people want to believe or you know they're being forced to believe in like the stats and stuff like that and then on the other hand you're just seeing things the things that you're visually seeing and we use that as the fact which is you know, someone's getting murdered right in front of our eyes, and no number or statistic or anything's gonna change what I just saw. So then there's this huge divide because it's like, we know that this is wrong for a fact. So now we start going against whatever numbers you've ever thrown out or any, you know, oh, now you wanna talk? Oh, now you wanna bring us together, yeah. and have a conversation? It's like, is it too late? Like the state that we're in, that's the question that's circulating. Are we. Is it too late to fix things? Are we so far gone it's that never, things are just going to...
1: Yeah, it's never too late. But I think it's interesting that each side will hold on to something and they won't let go. And then when they won't let go, they deem themselves to be unreasonable. Therefore, we don't need to listen. And hmm. I think that's the problems we're not hearing each other. So I'll give you an example. And again, I, I don't believe anybody should die. Nobody should die.
0: Or be but, murdered. No one should or be, be murdered. murdered.
1: Yeah, For, yeah. So if you look at the George Floyd situation, I don't care what his record is. I don't care the reason why he was called out there. All that stuff is just deflection. At the end of the day, nine minutes to lean on somebody's neck is ridiculous. And so I think unequivocally either side, as a human being, we can look at it and go 100% in error. That cop should go. Absolutely. All of them. Don't, them. don't, Don't necessarily should be, don't necessarily mean just because he was a black person. I don't care what color the person was on that. That is bad. We got to do something about it. But then, and again, I don't mean to be insensitive. I want to have a conversation. I feel like you and I have a, a, a good rapport yeah, on this. Right. Then I look at Richard Brooks and I look at that situation. And so were there mistakes made by the police officer? Sure. I think that they could have de-escalated. I think they could have changed an arrest technique. I think, but until, you're in that situation you can't judge so i went to daryl rivers yeah who is a black police officer de-escalation trainer and i was like tell me what the law is tell me what your training is and i don't think a lot of people understand what the police training is so now should that person should he have died no we don't want anybody to die could we have handled it better sure but should he be fired and and now have 11 counts where essentially everything he did is legal in what they're trained to do, right? Now, George Floyd was not legal. They, you're not trained to do that, right? Yeah. But in this situation, there was patrons around. We can nitpick it and we can grow from it. But I don't know that that person needed to be sacrificed just for the sake of, for the fact of everybody's going, well, we want justice. Yeah. That's not justice. That's, that's reversing it to the other side. So now what the end results you're seeing is the police officers are not showing up. They, they are afraid to do their job, which we hire for. And, and at the same time, I see the people in Chicago that are mad that the, the police officers were taking a break during the riots. Now, I think that was a bad idea as well. But I can understand the police officer side. They're like, well, if we go out there and enforce the job, then you're, you're going to yell at us and fight. And if we don't enforce the job, then like, how, what do they do right now? Like, what a weird but what time. Does, right
0: what now. does anyone do? police right. officer or not we have good cops bad cops we got good people or bad people regardless of of someone you know the perce- the listen I haven't looked at the Richard situation because I'm so I'm <laughs> there's so much going on that that is right. the one story I have I need a break I need sure. a break from all of it so I don't know too many de- I've been getting updates on my phone and all these newsletters that I'm a part of and stuff like that. And I know that something has occurred, but I don't know the full details, So I don't want to talk on that, but that's fair going, going on George Floyd and all of that. And whatever procedures police, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, it is legal for them to follow these procedures and take this sort of action and how they maneuver and their training. But should it be, if, if, if the end result is someone dying, should those ways and those trainings be legal? If that's the end result, that's,
1: but that's the, I think that's the core issue. Yeah. So it was at the police officer that was being bad. So the two things that I've really listened to that, again, opened my eyes. Daryl does some great Facebook lives. His name's Daryl Rivers, D-A-R-R-Y-L Rivers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he actually (laughs) explains the police procedure and what they're trained to do and then unpacks it. Um, Wayne Brady...
0: uh, I'm I'm going to look that up.
1: Yeah. Wayne Brady is another dear friend of mine, uh, the entertainer. uh, He and I went to high school together. Um, He made a really, really good point, though, in terms of like and even Chris Rock did too. When we start talking about, yes, there's bad cops, but there sh- should there be, right? So I think that there's, there's truly an issue there because you, those are the people that you call for help. And that was the big thing uh, Wayne had said that I, I thought was pretty profound. He was talking about people that shift to black on black crime. When you're talking about police officers, he goes, but you don't call another black man to come help you in a stressful situation. You do call the police. So there is a difference Right, black on black crime is something that, that yes, we as society need to deal with. As a culture, we need to deal with. But what we're talking about right now is when I call you for help, and this is the return, and now people are afraid to call for help because of that. Right, that's a larger issue. That's what we're discussing. I thought that was a I thought that was beautifully, but in, in a way to really kind of kill the noise as to what yes. it is that we're talking about. Yes. But but coming back to that, then with Daryl saying Daryl Daryl's personal opinion was that they shouldn't be fired. They should be on administrative leave. Should we look at the training practices? Yes. But should we punish the person for following the training for the job that they were hired to do? No. So the problem is the, the, the procedure or the training at the moment, not the police officer, Mm -hmm. especially if the police officer followed complete protocol.
0: Well, give me the, give me the gist of what, what just sure. of what what happened to Australia? Yeah. So uh,
1: again, and this is just my un- understanding and paraphrase based on everything that yeah. I've watched.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Wendy, this is good. This is good,
0: by yeah. Chris.
1: Wendy's called out because somebody had fallen asleep in their car in the drive-through lane. Okay, so he's obstructing the the drive-through lane. Police officers approach, knock on the door. Turns out, you know, he was asleep. They actually get him to pull over. He is being cooperative at that point. So they pull him out, they talk to him, they're being cordial. Um, they give him a field sobriety test and he fails the field sobriety test. Mm-hmm. At that point, they try to place him under arrest. Now here's, here's some of the things that I'm hearing on both sides on this. So at one point he says, can I just lock my car and, go and walk home? And so that that's they're like all oh, the police officers could have let him go but they've already administered a test they've already made the decision to arrest, as they start to put him in handcuffs he begins to fight they go to the ground, and he gets the better of the two officers I mean he he, he lays it on him pretty good, during the struggle he takes one of the tasers from an officer begins to run. As that officer chases him, he turns around and fires, or back. He, he's not completely turned around, but he, he goes back like that, fires the taser at the officer. The officer jumps to the side, grabs gun, pops him three times in the back.
0: Okay, oh, that's fucked. But, Excuse yeah. my like, no, no, no. But there is but no, the, there's no justification.
1: But, but let's take that down. The,
0: Black or not, person or not, that's that's just like if you know that he took a taser.
1: But you don't know that he took a taser. We so they know didn't that know because that
0: his, his taser was taken.
1: They know that he took a piece of equipment. Now, the taser's got a bright yellow, but, but again, we're all, we all have this beautiful ability of being able to break it down on tape and think. Yeah. When it's happening, bang, bang, bang. But the way Daryl describes it again, um, so he said, first of all, there was resisting arrest. He goes, second He's of all, it was yeah. it was assault on a police officer. Third of all, it becomes deadly assault when you steal a weapon. And when you point a weapon and, and fire it, yeah. And so Daryl tells a story of of him being tased, um, and him having to fight through it. With the guy, the guy that got him um, had the intent to come grab his gun and shoot him in the face, mm-hmm. right? So, so unless you're a police officer and you're fighting that every day, it's hard for us to say we can easily sit here and say that's not justified until we've been fired at in, in how many different occasions and how many different types of arrests. So, so they're, they're,
0: Here's a, but piece, here's a piece for of that it. that I think about if they're aware that this gentleman is, is under the influence, he's drunk or whatever, like, okay, I, I, I work in the social service field. Right. Okay. So I'm a, I work with homeless, I, I work within the homeless sector and I work with a lot of homeless people. And, uh, we know, you know, they indulge. A lot of people are users, sure. they use drugs, they drink to cope, whatever. There's a vast, you know, who knows the reason why. We, there are a million reasons why people do the things that they do. And there's a stigma around the homeless uh, sector and all of that jazz and the people who use our services. But let's just say, and I've had this experience where like one of our clients, our residents, they're drunk. And when a person is drunk, they're gonna do things that they wouldn't normally do when they were sober. Do we, you know, we we have had to like, you know, give people breaks from our site that that I manage uh, to go take a break, you know, or to to get get that get that alcohol out of your system, come back different tomorrow, come back normal, your true self normal to. And, and we give them chances, you know, because we know that who they are in this moment. It's not really who they are. They're just under under something. They're, they're going through something, et cetera, et cetera. So if the police know that he was drunk and he's going to resist in that manner, like that's, he's not even in his right mind.
1: Well, they didn't know he was going to resist in that manner, right? It's just when, so all of that from, from the but point- he's in, drunk.
0: Of course no, he's drunk. Tr- no,
1: fair enough. but But- from the point that the scuffle happens to the shooting is literally yeah. like 20 seconds. I mean, like all that goes down in 20 seconds, crazy. <laughs> but crazy. Let, let's, life but, lost and- I know, but let, let's, let's, let's first of all, divide for a second. Mm-hmm. Can we at least say that the death to George Floyd and this death are completely different in the sense of one is like George is barely resisting, not even resisting. He's already in handcuffs. He's on the ground. You got five, six police officers over him and one's kneeling on his neck. That's egregious. Common,
0: there's, the common, there's the common denominator, which are two deaths. It, so no, no, that's people, fair. people died by the hands of the police. The people who were supposed to... Okay, go
1: on. I'm just going to say circumstances are different. I see one It's, it's just a
0: different situation. It's a different it's a, scenario.
1: Yeah. But I didn't see George Floyd strike somebody. I didn't see George Floyd try to disarm a police officer. I didn't see George Floyd fire anything at a police officer or run. Yeah. So those, those, that's that's the level in which I'm looking at this. Again, I'm not in but no George way, Floyd wasn't form. drunk.
0: George George Floyd wasn't drunk. This gentleman was under the. Upset.
1: No, no, that's fair. That's fair. And I'm no way trying to justify. I'm just trying to yeah. to, to give you the view of how no, I no, look I at things. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. because again, I, I'll start this with neither one of them should have died, but I think each one of them has a set of circumstances that we have to look at and the intent of the circumstances of why, mm-hmm. right? So again. Even kneeling on the neck, fireball offense for 30 seconds. The fact that it went on for, what, nine minutes? Dude, like that, there's no law, reason, circumstance, anything that you can give me to justify why you did that. But on this hand, I feel like there could have been better training. But what we also don't know and we haven't heard the experiences of those specific officers. Like who, who knows what mindset they're in coming from wherever they came from. And I think that they're human as well, right? Yes, it, yes. It, and I'm, again, not trying to justify them. I'm yeah. just saying that we've swung so hard to immediately say you're fired and there's 11 counts and, and he's up for the death penalty based on the charges for, for what went down. And if you go by the law, 100% by the law, everything he did was legal. Everything that happened in George Floyd was not. But Correct. Rick- he took, i hear you he
0: took a life he did he took a, he used his gun and shot a person policeman or not using the using the the training or or not you took a life these are the people that we're supposed to call I, I took, you know,
1: and they were called
0: when a person dies in in the hands of a person who's supposed to protect you there's something bigger going on man these people are more than just police. They, they might So be.
1: when is it- yeah. so so, that, so then I think it leads to a great conversation. Again, neither one of us has taken side. I think it's a great yeah. debate on no, this conversation. This is really good. So then why give them guns?
0: The assessment, how they assess these individuals really needs to be looked at further because there have been stories and cases I, where people who-
1: Don't disagree with that at all.
0: People who are more- let's say intelligent, for an example. There have been studies and stuff that show like people who might uh, um, pass with a higher, higher test score, let's say, don't get chosen to be an officer because the, uh, the departments and stuff, they feel like they, these individuals are too smart for the field. They might even, they might, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, they could, it's easier for them to become a, a bad cop then remain a good cop because they're too intelligent. They're highly intelligent, so they can maneuver within the system. Very different compared to like the average Joes who get chosen to be officers. Not to say their average Joes are to diminish them. I'm just saying compared to the folks with these higher IQs and stuff like that. Well, they are really what,
1: yeah. I'll give you what Daryl says on that, and, and yeah. it's it's somewhat controversial the way he says it. He goes, "Unfortunately, at some point, the police are chosen because they have the ability to produce violence." That's exactly word for word is what he says, because he says there are times and moments where there are people that, that he goes, not everybody wants to be arrested and people will fight and people are dangerous to the community. And he goes, so he goes, you know, understand that if they let him walk home, if they let Richard walk home, would he have probably caused harm to himself or somebody else? Probably not. Right. But the thing is, is if he had, then, then the, the reaction responsible. Yeah. right? The reaction and reversal will be on the other side. So even when you're arrested or detained doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be charged and, and booked, right? That's giving you to your point, dude, you got to let this alcohol get out of your system and, and yeah. go somewhere safe and come back yeah. through the resisting of that is, is where this comes through. And so, but, but the, but he, coming back to what Daryl said, and, and again, it's uncomfortable to say, but he's like, dude, you, you got to have people who are willing to fight in the terms and needs of when it happens. Whatever. And what I'm afraid of at the moment is if we make police officers so afraid to do their job and we have such an overreaction to the other side, the bad people who in the first place were already going to be shooting at police officers <laughs> and doing all the others, they become emboldened now in, in you know, what do we, how do we enforce the laws? Okay. You know? And so I I think all this to say is it it takes conversations like these and and it takes conversations with six to eight people sitting down and going, and and the reason why I asked you that question is I think that's where you start. Should a police officer carry a gun? Yes or no? Mm. And if we say yes, then to go, okay, then what is the right time? What is the right time to pull a trigger. because there's no doubt police training is, is aimed to, to fire at center mass. And one of the things that are coming out of Richard Brooks is, well, what if they had, had gotten him like in the, in the leg mm. where he's still alive, but he's still incapacitated yeah, yeah. and still is. And yeah. so that starts to change. Okay. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's the thinking. Should they carry guns? Yes or no? If so, when is it okay to deploy and when is it not? And what's that judgment called?
0: it's that whole process needs to be revisited. Because but it's people-
1: complex, isn't it? It's not that simple.
0: Very much so. Um, how many police officers were with the restraint? One, one goes- other. Two. So two in total.
1: So, okay. Two in total. And both of, them, both of them were were on the ground and getting pounded. By, I mean, the guy got the better of both of them. But um, he takes he takes the taser from one of them. The other one's the one that gets on his feet to start to chase. So that's where the confusion can come of whether or not he got his gun or a taser. Like when you say, how does he know? Mm. He's trying to deploy his taser, but all he sees, like you can see it on the, the film, a flash. So whether that's a taser or a gun or whatever, I'm, I'm sure the police officer knows through their training. Again, I'm just looking Who at Who was it recording a it song.
0: or was it a body cam? So, uh,
1: so they have body cam. The main film that I've seen was the surveillance from the Wendy's. The surveillance camera has a great view of of the main part. And then there was a lady recording on her phone from the Wendy's. So you got three different angles. You got three different pieces. There's a lot of information in this one to start to to say, you know, what's, what's happening. But the immediate reaction, what's occurred in Atlanta since, number one, in protest, they went and burned the Wendy's down. And I'm like, so the Wendy's really didn't have anything to do with it, except that was the location where it occurred. Because they called,
0: well, they called, they called the police. Right. Right.
1: So they went and burned the Wendy's down. Um, The, uh, the mayor fired the police officer. The DA's brought 11 charges against the police officer and his partner. So, and then, um, so that's, that's all occurred. But now from what I understand, it's not confirmed at the moment, but more police officers called in today out they called out called sick they called the blue flu yes uh kind of in protest because they're like what do we do like if we show up and we're in a dangerous situation and we have to discharge our firearm if we're going to be brought up on murder charges then i'm not going out there i'm not going to go in that field
0: and where did the richard thing happen
1: atlanta georgia okay yep all
0: right which is already
1: like a financial or a racial hotbed. exactly
0: exactly we're gonna I want us to eventually, like on another episode, we need to revisit yeah. or find a way. I want to do what you're mentioning. I want us to find a way to have a round table and maybe uh, uh, outside of the Who and How Club episode, you and I could discuss and, yeah. I don't know, plan something around that because I'd love to be involved in that and be a part of it. I can bring Daryl to that. that.
1: He'll come. Yeah, we
0: can. Yeah. We'll we'll talk off off air and stuff like yeah. that and figure something out. Um I want to get back to you because this is all really great substance. And, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for those listening, for those listening and watching, whoever's going to see this, you know, if there's something that you heard today that resonates with you, whether it's about the ego, whether it's about growth, whether it's about being a father, uh, an entrepreneur, just a person, just a person in general, or even the conversation about, you know, the the turmoil going on right now in the world, feel free to leave a comment, DM me dm the club at who how club uh on instagram or twitter or email us uh whohowclub at gmail.com and just touch base with either myself or if you have a question for rick leave a comment under the video or email oh i'm I'm gonna leave your details and stuff in the description of this episode so people could contact you look up your books and just you know stay in touch with you as well if need be um a couple of things i wanted to ask as well because you're from birmingham
1: I live in Birmingham. I yeah. grew up in Orlando, that, Florida. Yeah.
0: Orlando. Okay. So what's it like in, in Alabama? What's
1: it it's, like? It's, you know, I've, For us I've been... Canadians who have never
0: yeah. been there, you know? Like, what's it like? So
1: Alabama gets a really bad rap, but it, it was the center of, of uh, a lot of the um, civil rights. So yes, yes. the church bombing, the, uh, the video that you see of hoses and dogs that happened right yes. here in downtown Birmingham. Yes. Selma is 60 miles south of me. Uh, the Edmund Pettus Bridge and and where the famous Sunday, bloody Sunday. And of course, then the March of, of Martin Luther King, all that just happened around here. So racially still very divided. Uh, you know, I know people here born and raised still very racist and very racist thoughts, you know, and, and veterans
0: day too. Right. Yeah. And my yeah. veterans day yeah. is yeah. It's sort yep. of like the parade, the, the big event happens. Yep. For
1: veterans yep. Day. Yeah. So a, a, a lot of, uh, Uh, A lot of diversity, a lot of still really hurt feelings and and that kind of stuff. So it's a great place. Now, state-wise, I've lived here. um, I got transferred here with a a restaurant, and I just said I was going to stay for a year and fell in love with the place. Uh, In terms of business, I can be anywhere from Florida to North Carolina over to Texas in about 10 hours of driving. On top of you know flights and all that kind of stuff, i 'm two hours from Atlanta, and can hop on that flight and go anywhere, so it 's really convenient yes uh, but but where I live in in Hoover has been a great place to live, great place to raise kids pretty uh pretty progressive community and uh involved community so it's a big enough city that we get cool stuff to do mm-hmm. but small enough that you know your neighbors, you know your people, and yes. And would, you, around.
0: would you ever live anywhere else? Have oh, you ever yeah. lived in Canada or moved over there?
1: I, I lived in 17 cities, 14 apartments inside 12 months when I was at a restaurant. I was a turnaround specialist. So I got sent into the worst kitchens and I had like two weeks to implement new systems, yes. fix it and go on <laughs> yes. to the next one. Yes. Uh, I love to live in New York City. I love New York City. I love the buzz. I love everything about the city. Um, I enjoyed living in Boston. I enjoyed living in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, Chattanooga is probably one of my favorite places to live. Just beautiful country, again, big enough city, small enough uh, town, uh, and just really you can get anywhere from there. Yes. Um, lived in Colorado for a little bit, enjoyed that. So uh, I worked a ski season for for in Aspen. Mm -hmm. um so yeah i was born in california raised in orlando i I pretty much lived all over the place
0: so in the in the end let's say when when you're like let's say retire retiree uh in or in that retirement age sorry stage i don't even like to use age anymore i say stage because you know we're all in different stages of our lives where's that one place that you'd like to end up and just rome yeah
1: no so i go to italy uh every other year at a minimum minimum sometimes every year but rome without a doubt especially as we become more global and zoom and everything else that comes i can do my job anywhere i could
0: do anywhere yeah yeah so i'd
1: prefer to do it in rome
0: yeah i want to i want to be somewhere in europe as well yeah i don't i don't want to stay in canada forever i want to settle down maybe have a family you know Uh italy or greece or somewhere i don't i don't have any children or anything like that um and I'm I'm just a single guy with his puppy, you know, doing his podcast and yeah. being focused on art and music and stuff like that. But in the end, yeah, I see myself somewhere abroad, yeah, just just relaxing and just enjoying the view. So it'll, yeah, Rome,
1: uh, Rome is definitely a place that I can just exhale and just breathe. I just love the place, architecture, the art, yes. the culture, the yes. history. It's ridiculous.
0: Yes. Um, another question. So for you, like, what keeps you going? Like, what keeps you going? When you, look like, at your li- when you look back at your life and see all the things that you've been through, challenges, et cetera, et cetera, what is the, that thing that has kept you going to not give up and to, you know?
1: Well, I'm never happy. I'm never satisfied. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I, I, think, I think happy and satisfying and reaching all of my goals equals complacency. Mm. It means I'm done. I think at the point that I feel like I've accomplished everything I was set out to accomplish, I might as well retire. Mm. Um, I don't see, uh, if you're truly in growth in leadership and thought leadership, you, you should never retire. Mm. You should continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to challenge, continue to change. So I think there's a restlessness in my heart that says I can always be doing more. Mm. And that's the driver. So the question is, how do I get to do more? How do I get to a step? So what do I have to put in place to do so? And if you read Think and Grow Rich, you, you have a mantra that you put in here. And, and I'll tell you mine. I tell it to myself every morning before I go to bed, every, or every night before I go to bed, every morning when I wake up, as the book says, and it's about energy, is um, that, that I'm going to create $2 million worth of online products free and clear per year and that's it. What was interesting when I first started that is I thought it was going to be my products. And what's funny about energy in the universe is I heard about a year ago, who says it had to be your products? Mm. And so I've completely shifted my focus into producing other people's podcasts, producing their dreams, doing, doing all the stuff that I had to learn how to do myself, write books, all that other. So I have this whole team and system yes. and I'm helping people go through that. And I'm doing that at this point, no charge only for a percentage of what they do. So again, yes. out of 20 projects, one of them's going to hit, one of them will hit, but that one should hit so big that it compensates me for the other 20 and I'm creating 20 opportunities. So I'm still on the same mantra and I'm creating the same energy. I'm just now doing it for others versus focused on how do I achieve that just for me. Right. 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 For me to hit my goal now, it really means all of my artists and people that I work with have to generate 20 million Mm -hmm. in revenue in order for me to get my two. And I think that's a great goal to have.
0: If there was something that you would want to, like, a, you know, a message or a lesson for our listeners or our viewers, like, what would be that one thing that you tell them? Like, if you had two minutes of their time.
1: Absolutely. And if you're watching the video, I don't know if you can see that weird wood structure right there, yeah. but that's actually Sisyphus, right? And, and that's kind of my spirit animal in a way. But Sisyphus is the one with the rock that you have to continually push up the mountain. And what I ask them is is, what do you want? And it's funny, if you ever ask somebody, what do you want? They're going to tell you the five things that they don't want. Well, I don't want to work anymore. I don't want to work for another boss. I don't want to have to worry about Bill. Okay, those are all the things you don't want, but what is it that you want? And so I take that then and say, I know many people who want to succeed, but I know few people who have the will to. So what I need you to do is to change your statements from I want to I will so that you can start to feel that impact. So I want to do a podcast. No, no, no. I will do a podcast. Well, I want to inspire a million people. Oh, no, no, no. I will inspire a million people. And if you really start to study the brain, the conscious, the subconscious, and what rules your thoughts and what rules positive and negative energy and all those things, your subconscious is your, is your biggest um, thing that will hold you back your own thoughts. Why would anybody listen to me? Why would anybody, why does anybody care? All the other, that's your subconscious. Nobody's even saying that to you. Your subconscious is just beating up any idea before you have any chance to do anything. So if you start to, you actually can train your subconscious by changing want to will. If you just, if you wake up every day and say, I will do a podcast, your likelihood of doing it is way different than I want to do a podcast.
0: Yes. So change want to will. Yes, I like that. I like that. And I think the brain, as we know, like it could be our biggest, you know, it could be our biggest challenge, our biggest weakness, but also our biggest strength if we, you know, get a, get a hold of it and start controlling our thoughts just a bit more and what we're intaking in here. Because what we're intaking in here can definitely, we can manifest things, you know, some negative things. We could dream oh. some crazy, you know, when we go to yeah. bed at night, our brains are still... Rolling on that negative, that negative thought that we might have had that day, and it 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 just affects your whole. You know, we got to control it a bit more. Control our minds. There's a
1: comedian I just saw that said, "You ever have it where your body's so tired, and as soon as you lay down, your brain just goes, and here's everything that you're worried about." (laughs) And by the way, I'll throw in the scariest movie scene you've ever seen. Anxiety.
0: (laughs) You wake up anxious. You're like, "What did I? Was that real or just a dream?" You know. So.
1: But to bring this all together, this whole interview together, and I really appreciate your time and openness and allowing us just to have a discussion without judgment. I think it's so important and I appreciate your platform. And hopefully nobody judges anything that we say. Oh, they're going to judge, but
0: it's okay. As long as we
1: don't. But we want to do that without judgment. We want to serve without judgment because it comes from a place of understanding, not judgment. There's a whole difference.
0: Perspective. Perspective. Yeah,
1: But the... You, you said you looked at my bio and you wondered how I dabbled in so many things. And the answer to that is, I don't ever say I want to do something. I just simply say I will do it. Will. And the next thing you know, it happens. And you know what? A lot of stuff I've done doesn't work out, but I've done it. And I've okay. taken that aspect and I understood what didn't work and I've applied it to the next thing that I go and do. But I don't ever sit around and wonder what it might feel like to jump on stage or what it might feel like to do a podcast or what it might feel like to produce music. Hmm. I've done it. I just go, just do it.
0: I am really inspired by this conversation today, and i I do uh, appreciate the opportunity to not to, to just have an open dialogue about things and perspectives and the difference and you know just just yeah, what we see, what we're seeing at the moment, and being able to just have that conversation. I think that this is a start to something like that like in reference to what you were talking about, this is how a conversation should be, no judgment, it's not about right or wrong, it's just about you know the difference in perspective and sharing that and
1: so no judgment yeah. no no standard mass media sta- statements yeah and, and no hard feelings
0: no hard feelings
1: Um, and we grow
0: (laughs) and we grow exactly and we look forward to the next conversation it doesn't stop here Um, we do have a segment on the show called ask the club so our guests are able to you know pose any type of questions two or two to three or even just one whether it's towards me or anybody listening could chime in on it as well do you have any questions for the club today or anything you wanted to yeah
1: again I'd love for you to do to, to figure out what it is that you want
0: Mm-hmm.
1: just sit down and say, what is it that I want? And, and, and have two columns, because again, you're going to come up with all the things that you don't want, but you got to drive to that purpose of what you want. And, and a lot of people don't know how to answer that early on, and that's fine. So start doing things to figure out what that is. Yes. So I want to host a podcast. Do you, well, what if you were on four different podcasts to see if you like it? Then you can move to, right? But, but once I decide what it is that I want, then we can d- decide a path. So my biggest question to you is, is what do you want? And, and then there, there's a better question behind it. Why do you want that?
0: Why do you want it? Yes.
1: Because if you know the why, the what becomes easy. Mm. Right? And if you, know, if you know your why and you know what your, what your purpose on, on this earth was, was to do, then, then go do it
0: yeah the what the what becomes very easy it takes care of itself once you figure out the why yeah. doing something or wanting to do something without reason it's kind of hard to fathom like i don't understand there are people that just i don't know they're kind of like but i think without these folks we kind of uh, like we need folks and examples like that to know that that's not the right way to do things let say right you know if there are people that are just doing this sort of like robots i call them robots you know that there's no, there's no goal. They're just, they're just at it on a day-to-day basis. But when we look into things on a deeper level and figure out the why, you know, and the who, what, when, where, why, and the how, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That's what we do here. But like, you know, right I call
1: here, those people masters of activity versus masters of achievement, right? Activity doesn't equal achievement. It just means you're really busy not accomplish anything. You're not building towards anything, but man, are you busy? You got tons of stuff to do. You did a bunch today, but what of that was, was equaling achievement and and doing the right things at the right time. That's my big challenge. The other one is, is, is the, the question I'd ask him is who have you served today?
0: Um,
1: I think, I think servant leadership is the pure leadership and it's the greatest reward when you pour into other people. And so when you wake up understanding that, Everybody should be valued. But the question is, is how can I add value to each person I'm going to interact with today? I sat down and thought, I I knew you were going to ask me a question. I sat down and thought and and listened to your past episodes. I looked at your podcast and said, how can I be prepared and what can I do to bring value? And how how can I add value to this conversation? In doing so, I got value because I I got reminded of certain things I wanted to talk about. I I, I got some thought. How many times do you actually wake up and look at your calendar and go, how can I specifically add value to this person that I'm going to meet with? Mm. It's a really strong question to ask. And I guarantee your perspective changes when you start to ask yourself, who did I serve today? Not what did I do? Who did I get to meet with? What did I accomplish? What did my bank account look like? Yeah. Who did I serve
0: today? Yeah. That's a selfless, it's more of a selfless uh, way of living. You know, It's not just about me, me, me all the time what i got it's, it's a great it's,
1: feeling dude though yeah. i'm telling you it's a great it, it will change your life change your life
0: i agree, life. I agree. I, i'm i'm going i'm i'm uh, battling with that that well, balancing that i'm i'm in a selfish stage of my life but,
1: but that's a season that's a but, but that's a season that's okay <laughs> you see that that's the thing is when, when people say like who did i serve today yeah. a correct answer is me because you can't give to people what you don't have we always and... use the cup and saucer Right? So what I see so many people do is, is giving people drinks out of their, uh, out of their own cup, right? Yes. But eventually, it's going to drain. You've got nothing left. Yes. But if I can fill my own cup all day to where it's running over onto a saucer, then anybody can drink from the saucer. Yes. And there's more coming. Yes. So you can't give what you don't have. So it's yes. okay. And it's not wrong to wake up and, or, or, or even at the end of the day, who did I serve today? I served me, right? that's okay. That's not selfish. And you have to have seasons of build, right? It, 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 right now, what you're doing is you're in your own garden of life and there's seasons of life. So if you don't plant seeds and if you don't grow seeds, then you can't reap them to give them to somebody else. Hmm. So it's completely okay to go, you know what, right now I'm, I'm growing seeds that I can give out later,
0: yes. but it's all, but
1: it's on me right now.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Perfectly yeah. acceptable.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. And I, yeah, that, not in the negative selfish way. I don't there's a positive selfish and a negative selfish. Like the negative selfish is when it's at the detriment of others. And then, and when you're, you know, you're doing a lot more damage than good. But that selfishness where you're, like you said, planting seeds and working on yourself and pushing yourself to grow, to be different from, from yesterday and how you were last week and months ago, or, you know. I think that's a good selfish. A lot of people don't take enough time to themselves to reflect, to assess, you know, where they're at in life right now and how they think, how they feel.
1: Let's talk about your good selfish and bad selfish. So let's take just, I want to write a book. Why? Well, I want to get famous, get money, start to speak. Okay, that's the bad selfish. That's a
0: bad selfish. And
1: and so one of the questions I like to ask when people say, you know, I want to write a book, help me. My, My question is, who's going to read your book? Yeah. And, and, and that sounds horrible when you say it, but the point is, is are you writing the book to serve other people so that they can grow from either your yeah, to sp- life experience? others, yeah. Right. Or is it to, to tell an ego story that you think you're going to get rich off of, mm. right? The, 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 that's the good selfish and bad selfish, but the, this, the same intent to write a book. Mm. Just the why is where you divide and start to go.
0: This is good. This is this is a great episode. I like this one. A lot <laughs> we've of been killing. What, have we been talking for four and, and half
1: husband, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> time, a half hours? Time, when things are going, people are flowing, and you vibe yeah. with somebody, time just flies. And, I and I've, I've absolutely enjoyed being a part of this.
0: Yes, same. Rick, I want to say thank you. Uh, and you are an official member of the Who and How Club.
1: Uh, That's rock. Do I get a hat or anything? Is there, you, is there you, a hat? Is there I'll a send, membership I'll card? I'll send you a
0: mug. We do the, oh, ba- yeah. do the badges. We have <laughs> uh, the Hunah Ho Club badges. I, ha- I don't have one on today. I, I gotcha. It, but um, I'll probably send you one as well. And here at the Hunah Ho Club, we focus on who you are, how you became who you are, and that process in between. So I do appreciate you just sharing and being open with me. And yeah, it was a very, I'm thinking about it now. It was just very open conversation. And, this and was we
1: great. went a lot of different places. So hopefully, yes. hopefully we said something that, that inspire somebody to take their own action and own activity even if it's just a research yes to, to, to go find out and, and grow for you
0: yes so the conversation continues and we'll be in touch and uh, i just want to say thanks again for being here and uh yeah we will talk soon
1: all right partner talk all to right. you soon thank you Cheers. so much thank you all right,
0: bye-bye bye